This episode is sponsored by World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. Dungeon Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have an episode just for you. Across time, space, eras, epochs. This episode may be larger on the inside. It may be larger on the inside, and it may be action-packed Alex and Cybermen and and, and Gallifreyans. But, try to say that seven times fast, jeez. That's right, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who. 13, 13, 14, 15, 15 times. Now. Yes. Now, the reason uh, for this episode, uh, for those of you that have listened to the show multiple times, many times over the years, uh, this last year at FanX, we uh, had a live recording of our episode, and one of our listeners was there. Two of our listeners. Well, you're right. There, there are multiple listeners, but one particularly <laughs> requested that we do a Doctor Who episode. So that is what we're doing. We're going to be talking about our favorite Time Lord that stole a TARDIS long, long ago and ran off into space and has had a plethora, almost 60 years worth of hijinks because would you say it is a plethora do you even know what a plethora is Uh, but here's the thing folks speaking (laughs) of being bigger on the inside it's not just the three of us ham boys over here no we have invited an expert on the subject and a personal friend of the show wesley wesley welcome to the show sir yay hello there howdy there folks uh, Wesley, just so people understand, what are your Doctor Who credentials? Uh, so I started watching Doctor Who in 2009. Um, my first Doctor would be David Tennant. And for those of you that have watched the show, you kind of get that reference to where um, the first Doctor is. Who who introduced you when you first started watching to the show? Because the um, as we've alluded to, there's uh, many actors who have been in this role. And um, so my first Doctor was David Tennant. And I've continued watching the show since then uh jumped in on what would be new who series four um it's now on series 13 um but there is also classic who so i've actually gone through and watched most of classic who as well um so about a decade and a half of uh, relative watching experience is probably one of the um newest additions to the pantheon of science fantasy and science fiction that i've watched but uh it's probably my favorite quite honestly um, I was born a Trekkie, raised a Trekkie, um, and Trek is probably one of the things that I've got most of the um, personal experience with, but uh, Doctor Who quickly enamored itself with me and uh, um, has just grown in my heart. So Nice. Hey, Wesley, do you know what uh, they call Doctor Who's companion uh, when it's a cow? Oh, man. Doctor Moo? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself. That's really bad. Thank I'd, you. I'd, I'd still stick to canine. I'll just stick with canine. <laughs> yeah, I was like now going through like my roll of decks. I'm like, was there a cow? I don't remember. <laughs> no, no, there wasn't. Don't think too heavily about it. No. <laughs> well, Wesley, <laughs> you're new. Good. That's why you're the only one who actually takes me seriously. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. So. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> there will be many bad jokes. Many. Um, now you you brought up a very interesting point. Before we jump into the material. Um, 
people come into, you know, when you to ask them, who is your favorite doctor? The majority of everyone will say it's the very first doctor they saw. I am for some weird reason. I don't fit that, that scheme. The very first doctor I saw was Peter Davidson, you know, classic who on mm. PBS at night. But my favorite is still David Tennant, man. That Ooh. guy can act. So, See, uh, so I'm I'm with you. Where my first doctor is not my favorite doctor. Uh, yeah. Ditto, actually. Ditto. Must be Chris Eccleston. <laughs> no, uh, Peter Capaldi. Oh, Peter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed the his his episodes. Um, so it's kind of interesting with New Who the way I like. I've I'm just I've watched probably New Who three or four times all the way through. Um, For those who don't know, what is the definition of New Who? uh, The reboot that started in 2005. Okay, Uh, so so everything from 2005 forward. Yeah, so this series um, started in 1963, uh, Mm -hmm. so coming on... On about 60 years here. ...anniversary this November. um, And it's one of those shows that's almost has had... So it's it's unlike... so, So Star Trek, for example, has almost 800 plus episodes, 900 episodes. Um, but the difficulty with that is that it's across 11 different TV shows. There's spinoffs. Doctor Who has been one, one set of TV minus like a 15 year hiatus. It went on. Um, so when the seventh doctor went off the air, I want to say in the eighties, if I remember correctly, there was a 15 year uh, hiatus. Yeah. It ended in 1989. Yeah. 1989. And then it had like a TV movie in the nineties uh and it came back in 2005 so classic who is the 26 seasons is what we would call it in america but it's series is how they identified it um in the uk so it's 26 series from 63 to 89 and then 13 up to now with the you know mix of specials depending on where you want to put those specials in the the season count um from 2005 until now so it's not a continuously running show, um, but it's almost it's like 850 plus episodes that span just one flagship show, unlike Star Trek or Star Wars now, where it has a bunch of different spinoff shows that kind of all fit under the same universe. Yeah. Um, and have like crossover characters. So, yeah. Well, That's I know I mean. that. Doctor- yeah. And Doctor Who also has had its fair share of spinoffs. Torchwood was a spinoff. Yep. as well as the adventures of Sarah Jane. So it has has it it has had its own spin-offs but mm-hmm. um it's for the majority of it it is the doctor's yeah. journey from beginning to end. There were some additional spin-offs including K9 uh, that mm-hmm. little creature yeah. had his own uh, ser- brief series, and then there was another one I found as I was doing some uh, some research called Class. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of this. It came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. So Doctor Who, like consistently, kind of because it's it's filmed in the UK quite frequently, um, and they have this school. Can't remember the name of the school. Um, I think one of the Hogwarts. like a couple of no, <laughs> Sorry, uh, a couple of the companions have worked there. Um, he, the, the doctor themselves have actually worked there. Um, and they like reappeared there, um, to be like, Hey, this is like class. So it's, it's the, a lot of these spinoff shows focus in on characters of, uh, what the doctor has left, who, who the doctor has left behind essentially. Um, so, uh, people and the citizens of earth that have, uh, specifically the UK that are continuing to fight the good fight 
against the evils that come to, you know, enslave or destroy us. Um, uh, specifically Britain. Yeah, specifically yes. Britain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's uh, let's talk about timeline. We're, we're kind of getting onto this. So no pun yes. intended. Let's talk about timelines. Uh, you mentioned the show started in 1963. In fact, the first episode was November 23rd, the day after the JFK assassination. Wow. And it actually aired uh, a little bit late because the, the TV broadcast schedule uh, in, in the UK had been delayed while they were reporting on, on that event. Yeah. So, so that was its first episode. Um, and it aired, uh, for those of you who you know remember Classic Who, it started off as a black and white. This was yep. you know the inexpensive churn out the TV show fast as you can. So black and white in 1963, the first Doctor... Can anybody name the actor who played the original Doctor? I can, but it's not fair. Without looking it up on the wiki crabs. <laughs> I, can. I can. Go ahead, Wesley. Uh, William Hartnell. That's right. Yep. William kept, Hartnell, um, he was a... Go ahead. Uh, there was also... There's a... there's they, So it's not quite a spinoff, but it's kind of like almost like this docuseries that went through, and it was not not really a docuseries, but like a dramatization of the, the start of it. And there was another actor that they've actually... He plays William Hartnell in the show... Um, yes, and has popped back up as the live action reappearance of this doctor. Oh, um, interesting! I can't, can't remember the name of him without looking him up. Um, let me let me actually see. We'll have to look uh, into that. It's not Richard Herndl, is it? Um, I think. Yeah, no, it's uh David Bradley. Oh, okay. Yeah. So David Bradley. Um, since that point of like playing, like so the 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 dramatization of the start of Doctor Who has popped up canonically as William Hartnell's doctor. So the first doctor in the series, he's popped mm. up as, as the doctor again. Um, so that's where like right now, like, so when we, when we give out the number of like, there's 13 actors that have been on screen as the primary character and they're, they've, they've announced the 14th person to play the role um, that that's kind of a misnomer in that it's like, it's, it's how we number the main person that is going to headline the show but this like um david brad uh, bradwell or bradley has played william hartnell so he's the 15th person but there's almost a list of 60 people that have at one point either on screen or during audiobooks or like webcasts or just mm -hmm. different spin-off things have voiced or played the doctor um who is the the, the primary principal character of the show yeah so well, and with this the 60th episode coming up you know, we have David Tennant coming back as the fourteenth Doctor, fifteenth yep. Doctor, yep, fourteenth, and then they're then then they're going to go to someone else. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because like David Tennant, there was an instance uh, where, um, so in the TV movie, the the character itself, um, and what we can probably touch on some of the mechanics of this themselves, like says the 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 species of the race that he is is a Time Lord, um, and they only have like thirteen regenerations where they can. And, and that's the whole principle behind the show of why these so many actors can play it is the when the character is mortally wounded, they're able to regenerate every cell in their body. Like it just this massive amount of energy just completely changes of the character. So physicality, personality just kind of reformats and rechanges and reshapes into this new person, but still the same character. Um, so that's where in the TV series, in the TV movie, um in the 90s they said it's like well time lords only get 13 regenerations and, and like david tennant has already played 
two of those regenerations and is now playing a third one. Like yeah. there's this, like it's, this, and he played like, himself twice the same doctor. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Like so he, there's, he, yeah, he's like, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get into that a little bit about regeneration, yeah. and, and it's it's interesting the concept of regeneration, and you may have heard this story where it came from was William Hartnell. Uh, his health was beginning to fade. Um, he was already pretty old um, doctor anyway, uh, and as he was getting ready to leave the series uh, to take care of his personal health, they were like, "Well, how do we continue this?" They were, you know, normally you would just recast preferably with somebody that's a lookalike, but these guys were thinking, let's do something radical. Let's be revolutionary and say, we're not even going to hide it. We're not going to try to, to sneak this past the viewers. <laughs> and so they got their heads together and William Hartnell, I believe is one that suggested, well, let's just write it in and say that he changes. He dies and becomes somebody else. It's the same doctor, same memories. He's this long loved, uh, time Lord. And we could just put somebody else in there. And it worked so amazingly well that they were able to continue that. And anytime they needed to change the actor, they had a ready-made uh, plot device to allow them to, to explain away why he looks different now. In fact, they <laughs> emphasized, we want a different personality. We want different mannerisms. He's going to wear different clothes. You know, eventually the TARDIS changed a bit. Uh, and his sonic screwdriver you know, all these things changed constantly with the Doctor. I mean, that's one of the, the brilliant things and why this series probably has lasted as long as it has. Because, I mean, let's, you know, if you take a note at what Disney has done with, say, Solo, a lot of people really had struggles with that movie because it wasn't Harrison Ford as Han Solo. That's who we identify is as, you know, Han Solo. With the Doctor... We're accepting of this because they've built into the lore, the mythos, that you're right. When he gets injured so much, then he regenerates and becomes someone new. And it's a great way that, you know, if, a, if an actor gets bored of playing this character, an actor passes away, gets ill, whatever, they have a way to continue this series on with a brand new actor. And there's no one is complaining about it. No one's arguing and saying that's not my the doctor they're just like yeah, that's not my doctor but that's my doctor you know and the series continues to 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 go on and will continue to do so as long as they continue to make yeah. good television so i'm going to continue with the uh, timeline of the doctors but beforehand wes you started kind of explaining the concept behind the series so can you give us in a nutshell what is the premise of the doctor who series Oh wow! Uh, Just the way you were describing it a moment ago. Here's the doctor. Yeah, it's who is he? Where is he from? What's he do? Well, the um, this character, this time lord, has run away from home. Essentially, stolen a blue box. Um, wasn't blue when he stole it from Gallifrey, his home planet. Uh, but has it's actually a cylinder. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so the 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 ship um, that he travels in. Um, is uh called a TARDIS it's time and relative dimension in space it is a uh it's disguised as a police box um which a little side note for production they wanted to change the TARDIS and make it similar to everything whenever it moved to a different time so it's a it's a, a device that can travel through time and space mm -hmm. um, basically pop up in any era any planet anywhere they want to go any part of the universe that you can the, that they want to go the beginning the end that we've kind of seen it all bounced around 
um, even outside the universe a couple of times, I believe. Um, but the this this blue box, they wanted to change every era that they went into. But due to production budget, because they were pumping out episodes a lot, they uh, um, opted to just leave it as a 1960s police telephone box, which is the common shape of the TARDIS now. Um, and they wrote it in as the chameleon circuits broken. So why not? Because it's a busted TARDIS at the, you know, in the basement of the gal, like the Time Lord Central. Um, and they, he just travels around, um, typically has a Earth companion with him. Uh, not always from Earth, but more often than not, just a human companion. Uh, the doctor looks a lot like humans. Um, and from the doctor's point of view, humans look a lot like Time Lords. <laughs> so uh, it's a... Uh, traveling through adventuring through time and space um and and you know you can the 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 doctor pilots the tardis or the tarlet the tardis like drops where the doctor needs to go depending on what time of you know like what what time you're talking about there or what instance of it um so the 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 tardis is is sometimes running the show as much as the doctor so the, the tardis itself is a character it's like a living breathing creature that has agency in the show um, mm -hmm. and we'll place the doctor where the doctor needs to go. And the doctor is adverse to weaponry, um, but is the defender of good and, and, uh, fights evil in a lot of instances. I, I want to, where... I want to have you pause right there. Um, the, the main character's name is the doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's the way he's referred to by everybody, but it, it's the name that he chooses to be referred by. Let's say that. Yeah. Right. And so the title of the show has always been Doctor Who. And while that is kind of referred to in a meta kind of way in a few <laughs> episodes, the question never is really answered. He's not who. He's always the doctor. And I want you to kind of, and, and th there is an answer to this. Why do you think, I mean, th th this is the theme of the show. Why do you think he chose the appellation, the doctor to be known by? Well, like in the mythos of the show, um, it's kind of debated on which came first. Did he choose the name or did we get doctor from him? Um, mm. And uh, so out of habit, I keep saying him, even though it is, there has been a female doctor. So you'll see me kind of bounce between him and they. Um, but the, when the episodes that kind of dived into his name, um, it well, I think it was like mostly Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi of like where this namesake came from and why it was chosen. Um, and he, like he has a, a like a wife at one point or actually i think a couple of points um like classic <laughs> who has some some marriages there like off screen and whatnot but his wife even talks is like we get we get that name from you you know like we like we we get doctor from you um so this healer this uh person that comes and savior like is a savior um so i think that uh the doctor chose his name because it's the the idea that he's there to help uh yeah. is there yeah. to assist there to provide um growth and healing in, in wherever he the, they go um and is kind of the main point of the show is that like a doctor is like there's this like um go they go into this in the, the 50th where it's like never cruel nor cowardly um like always trying to stick up for the little guy and the oppressed and 
you know, like, you know, kind of villainizes or go, goes against villainy in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. This is a major theme that keeps being repeat, repeated in the show. This is prior to Star Trek. This is way prior to Star Wars when sci-fi was cheesy pulp stuff. <laughs> and so they put this character together and rather than beating up bug-eyed aliens, uh, which they made a point of not including in their show, at least initially, that fell by the wayside <laughs> quickly. Um, this guy, this person, this being, um, is out there to help, to assist, to fix things that have gone wrong. And that it has, there's so many layers to that. Daniel? I was going to say, so it was actually during Matt Smith's run when he was talking to his companion, Clara, when he told her that he picked the name. He chose the name, the doctor, as a promise. You know, it was a promise to never be cruel or cowardly, to never give up and never give in. So that's why he chose the name, the doctor. Um, and we have seen, I mean, he's definitely been married because the very first doctor, the very first companion was his granddaughter. So you can't have a granddaughter unless you've been married. I mean, it, it only makes sense. Well. Um, uh, but at the same well, time... in the 1960s, let's say yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and at the same time, um, when this started out, he was half human even. Um, so he wasn't, full, he wasn't a full-time lord. So the, this doctor, the, the mythos of the doctor has definitely changed quite a bit. Um, yeah. But I really like the fact that he chose the name, the doctor, um, mm -hmm. as a promise. And he has continued to uphold that promise uh, throughout the, the length of the series. So uh, we're about 22 minutes or so into yeah. the show. And I feel the need to derail it. Go uh, ahead. <laughs> because we're going to end up in I'm listening to all of you talk about the show and, and your knowledge, and I totally get fandoms. I have fandoms of my own. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm definitely a fan of <laughs> things. Not like, you were a fan Cole. of Star Crash and Star Crash 2, right? Uh, something like that. Uh, I, you know, I, <laughs> or, I definitely... or, or was it that Star Crash ripoff by Lucas? Uh, it, <laughs> no, it was Hardware Wars. Thank you very kindly. Oh, that one, yeah. That With one in Skybucker? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, no, Man. here's the thing. Here's Matthew's the thing. Like yeah, he's got the, on. yeah, I was, I was about to make a really vague reference to a Sega CD game and I'm, <laughs> I think it's called Lodestar, the legend of Tully Bodine. Um, but anyway, here's the problem that I have with absolutely everything you've been talking about. Uh, sure, go ahead. The, I, I want you to know that, you know, having been steeped in nerd culture for as long as I have been, I have wanted so badly to be a Whovian, to be a fan of Doctor Who, to even just like the show. And I have made several attempts to make this happen. Ever since I was a little kid, I've tried to like this show. And I have very mm -hmm. clear memories of certain points where I saw, we were talking earlier about first Doctor's second, you know, yeah. first Doctor. Uh, Tom Baker was my first Doctor. Um, okay. He's all, yep, he's too. also the one that, that was the Doctor the longest out of anybody. Yeah. Um, yes. By like, Double so far what we've yeah. seen. Yeah, uh, David Tennant might might break that record with having a second appearance. But anyway, um, and and my favorite Doctor is David Tennant. Now I say that in in relative terms, because no matter how hard I try, I cannot get into this show. I have I've I've watched old Who, I've watched new Who, I've 
I've watched uh, Christopher Eccleston, which I've told been told multiple times, don't start with Christopher Eccleston. That poor guy. Like he 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 brought <laughs> like it back. Him. He was good. He brought yeah, he, yeah, right. he, he got one year and he brought Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he's a great actor. He's a great actor. Yeah. yeah. And he brought Doctor Who back into the zeitgeist just in time for David Tennant to take over, and David Tennant became the darling, right? And then followed by mm-hmm. Matt Smith. I mean, that was just two massive home runs back to back. They they are right. both amazing doctors. And I've seen the uh, the Weeping Angels episodes, and you know, like, <laughs> like I've you know, I've I've tried so hard. Uh, you guys even mentioned the nineteen. Uh, have now, you talked about the nineteen ninety six one Be- before? Before I uh, disown you as my brother, yeah, yeah. The Weeping Angels episode. Are you saying that that was a? a did you like that one or did you hate that one? <sighs> okay, I love the Weeping Angels. I love the concept of the Weeping Angels. Um, I might get disowned on this episode. <laughs> I think, I think, I think as monsters, I think the way that they, and I think the way he solved the problem, I think all those things are very, very cool. Um, it did not make me love Doctor Who. It made me love Weeping Angels. And I think was Weeping the Angels episode as a standalone episode. Did you enjoy the story? Um, y- y- I, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like in in the sense of like. Here's the thing. I enjoyed the monsters. I still did not enjoy the main character. It's like watching Seinfeld, right? By the way, so, Seinfeld is a show I didn't watch either because it's named after the one guy in the show I can't stand. Okay. So so I think I have I think I understand why. You know, who is a very British TV series. Yeah, it it is very doesn't British. connect it doesn't connect with everyone. Where you're used to that, and, and I'm just just making an assumption here where you used a very traditional American TV series and how those flow. This does not feel the same and it doesn't connect in the same way that most TV series do. Um, So that may be one of these things that's really causing you to disconnect. Well, I think uh, that's why you don't enjoy it. I think that's a reasonable hypothesis, but I, and I'm going to lean on Matthew for support on this one to see what he says, but I have loved many a British show and I tend to watch Mm -hmm. British shows in the context of, of UK culture and, you know, um, that their lingo is different than our lingo. Their culture is different than our culture. Mm -hmm. You know, like there have been numerous UK shows that I have watched and loved. This show is not one of them. But are they humorous shows or are they serious? Uh, uh, a mixture it's a of, mixture i like okay. like i love the humorous stuff and i also have watched very okay. serious things yeah. it, it just oh. may be this just isn't your cup of tea i mean yeah really, which is honest. totally valid right yeah it is but i will be i i'm this is where i'm probably going to get disowned i think the weeping angels are the worst monsters ever created they're the <laughs> kindest they're the kindest psychopaths in the universe I, they, they send you back in time and let you live to death i almost agree with daniel on this i think they should have stayed in one episode I love yeah. the Weeping Angels, but it, but that particular episode that you're talking about, the David Tennant uh, one, Blink, I think it was called, right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I think is one of the most amazingly well written episodes ever. It is, because yes. it, it is it, a great. It, it plays episode. out almost in reverse, and the resolution just had me laughing, slapping my legs, just so mm-hmm. amazingly satisfied with. Isn't the that way... the same episode where they coined the term wibbly wobbly timey wimey yeah. stuff? Yeah. yeah, time is like a big yeah. ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, wimey stuff. Yeah, got away from you. Didn't I it? think that if the Weeping Angels would have been contained to that, yep. I, it would have been fine. But where they were spreading, and then the weird baby angels, it just—I felt like 
it was just something for a scare tactic and they didn't bring any more value to the series or story i agree with that it's the it's the same concept and like i don't mean to uh it's the jump, jumping topics here a little bit, but it's the same concept with the Borg. Every time they yes. show the Borg, they become less scary. Every time mm-hmm. you dive into what the Weeping Angels are and expand upon how they operate, what they operate, how to defeat them, you just become more of a reoccurring villain of the week rather than this scary force to reckon with. Like the way Blink ended was just like, every statue is a weeping angel and then they just started to where it's like no yeah every statue is a weeping angel and it's just like well that's no more fun yeah like, I, I agree with that it, it ruins the uniqueness of it right it, ru- yes. it ruins the jeopardy because if everything is if everyone is special nobody is right yeah. so I definitely Correct. agree with hey, that um, it's interesting never that, met anybody that's not special it, it, it's, mm-hmm. again another reason I hate the show um, so <laughs> it's, I, I, it's interesting wait a minute them. I've met several doctors <laughs> it doesn't work the other way around it's 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 it's, it's a long it's, it's mathematically proven so anyway i, I stopped is, listening to you after you said yeah i kind of like the episode so we could still be brothers there you go yeah okay <laughs> i i actually so i did enjoy the blink episode but i enjoyed it for the villains not for the heroes right mm-hmm. um and then to your point wes like you brought the borg it's so it, it coincidentally today i was forcing myself to watch picard season two uh, which which uh, Picard season one I loved. Picard season two has made me go, oh come on! Like every five minutes. Um, but I did have a moment today where I was like, gosh dang it, the Borg are so cool. Like as 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 bad guys as an enemy, like they're just. In fact, the the comment that I made was introducing the Borg to sci-fi as 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 an all-encompassing genre. Right? It's one of the coolest contributions to sci-fi as a genre ever in my opinion i think the the borg are amazing but i agree with you that like every time they wanted to up the ante they just had bigger borg and i don't agree with that methodology but as a concept for a monster as a villain as a threat the borg i think are one of the coolest contributions to sci-fi ever and i think weeping angels are possibly one of the neatest contributions to horror and sci-fi as like a crossover yeah well getting back to doctor who uh so we had uh i want to get through the timeline real quick of the of the doctors um why and why we're, we we're gonna have to go really fast i mean oh, we are yeah okay sounds like we're go really fast because i want to tell you william, why i don't like this show <laughs> so william hartnell uh started off he did it to 66 from 66 to 70 was patrick troughton he was the guy that had the kind of bowl haircut looked like mo from the three stooges and then John Pertwee took over in 1970, and that was when they began broadcasting in color. He had somewhat curly blonde hair and wore colorful suits to because they were now broadcasting now in, color. in color. And then he was replaced by Tom Baker, who ran from 74 to 81, as we mentioned, that's the longest run. And it was the highest ratings that show had had to that point. He and is like the was, iconic doctor. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that wore the Star long striped scarf. He had the uh, curly blonde hair. No, brown, brown, curly brown hair. Brown, yeah, dark brown, uh, yeah. light brown, dark It was blonde. like dirty, yeah. Yeah, and he had the long striped scarf and the big nose. That's yes. the one. And that was my first Doctor. And I never, I was only ever a very casual watcher of Doctor Who in the old days because mm-hmm. I could only catch it on PBS when they, I never knew what the time was that it was showing up. But I remember later on, I would go back to watch Doctor Who when I finally caught it. And now he'd been replaced by Peter Davison in 1981. And he 82. had very, 
uh, either 81, way, 82. Anyway, go on. He, uh, so he was wearing, he wore a very light flat, uh, colored suit. He had straight blonde hair. And I remember seeing this and I go, that's not my doctor. This is not mm-hmm. Doctor Who, because I, I had never seen an episode where they'd regenerated. Is, I didn't understand that Is he wearing a point. sprig of mistletoe for like... No, it is celery. It's celery. It's celery. a sprig of celery. What And I want to take special note of what Peter Davison and David Tennant later on. But after yeah. that oh. came Colin <laughs> Baker, who was also a relatively famous um, Doctor Who character, followed by Sylvester McCoy, who finished out the era of classic Who. Um, I think you mean I'll... Radagast the Brown. Thank you very much. I was going to say, if you want to know who Sylvester McCoy he's is, he's Radagast the Brown. <laughs> Rascabel Tardis. Yeah, um, and a little fun note about the Tardis uh, when McCoy was ending is that uh, it started to break down and fall apart because they weren't yes. fixing it. And like the last series that he was in, it was just a sheet, and then they turned down the lights. <laughs> In the studio, so that they couldn't tell <laughs> it was a no sheet. Pay no attention to the men behind the curtain. Basically, and, <laughs> and then Sylvester McCoy became, and then and then it was on hiatus for a while until the yeah. 1996 movie, and Sylvester McCoy reappeared again as his character, and he ended up regenerating into Paul McGann. Paul McGann. I actually yep. saw this. I watched this in 1996. I, I think I, you and I watched it together. <laughs> uh, it's I maybe maybe I I remember being really excited to see this, and I watched the whole thing. Yeah, I want to come back to the TV movie. Uh, that'd be another one of the things we talk about. And as far as timeline goes retconning things paul mcgann becomes the war doctor played by john hurt that shows up uh for the uh day of the doctor john hurt special is splendent um but he john hurt never called himself the doctor and it was only later the fans kind of dubbed him the war doctor but the other incarnations all say he doesn't deserve the title of doctor because he picked up weapons and became a soldier that's um, my kind of this is why i don't like the show this is no, why i love the show because it has an, no. it has an ethos no. to it his name no. is hurt and he picked up <laughs> weapons and he's like one of the best actors of our day and he's like so, i'm no doctor you need a doctor hurt and then like no. <sighs> the the series did call him the War Doctor. Yeah, it wasn't the fans; it was the the show that called okay. him the War Doctor. But the character yeah, himself, and, yeah, the character yeah. himself didn't call himself the Doctor. He, he look, gave he's up my he did, yes, he's my yeah, horse. Yeah. Yeah. No, he he gave up the name of the Doctor because the Doctor was the promise to not inflict cruelty. But he had, you know, Paul McGann had the uh, that Doctor had a chalice to choose to be the form that. Because, you know, the Daleks and the, the Time Lords were in a, in a war. And yeah. so he chose the form to be able to push what needed to be accomplished in, what, in that war. When you said that he, and, like, dropped the name Doctor, I almost made the joke, did he pick up the name War? And then you told <laughs> me everything else about him. And I'm like, yep, yep, he did. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much did. So, I mean, he chose to be chose a, warrior. A, a warrior instead of a healer um, in this this galactic battle that was destroying time and all reality now it's time to chat about our sponsor world anvil world anvil is an award-winning world building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds with their software you can create your world manage your campaign plan your novel create a world wiki wow your players make novels more interactive and make your worlds come to life you can find them at worldanvil.com. And if you put in the discount code 
DCR40, you'll receive a 40% discount today. So then we get into the 2005 when we kick off the new Who era. We mentioned Christopher Eccleston, uh, followed by David Tennant, which had a good long run. Uh, Matt Smith. Uh, in 2010, Peter Capaldi, 2013, Jodie Whittaker picks it up in 2017. And now in this year, David Tennant's going to hop in, but I think that's probably just going to be a very brief thing for the event because have they not already announced who the 15th doctor is? Uh, Yes, they have. Yes, 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 they they did. And I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to butcher this because his name is, um, is Rwandan, but it's Nakuri Gatwa. And he is a oh, he's a Rwandan Scotsman. He's a Rwandan Scottish actor. <laughs> They're making yeah. him a Scotsman yeah. again? No, yes. no. He, well, I mean, they hired a Scotsman. You know, a Rwandan well, Peter, Scotsman. Well, Peter, yeah, but yeah, that's the Peter mm-hmm. Capaldi's doctor is a Scotsman. This is the really interesting thing that they're doing here, and I like what they're doing is they're bringing David Tennant back, but he's not the original David Tennant doctor. No, he's, he's a different doctor. With the same face, Boo. he's going to run into Donna Noble, which sees him and thinks he's the doctor, but he's not. I really want to see how they play this out. Because a couple thousand is... years older, too. Yeah. And does and he take two girls to prom older. and tries to keep them from meeting each other and, you know, just tries to <laughs> play the whole thing off? No, the original showrunner is back. Uh, Stephen Muffet, I, uh, right? No, just... uh, Russell no, T. Davis. Russell T. Davis, excuse me. Um, so he's back. Was he the same showrunner when show. David Tennant he, was on the first time? Yeah, so Russell T. Davis off. came with Eccleston and ran it and through until uh, the end of Tennant. And then um, Stephen Moffat, who mm-hmm. is uh, also worked on Sherlock. Um, uh, Love ran Sherlock. Matt Love Smith Sherlock. and Peter Capaldi. And then uh, Chris Chibnall ran it for Jodie Whittaker's era. Yeah, and the nice thing about Russell T. Davies coming back with David Tennant is he's kind of the guy that re-sparked all this excitement uh, with the new who that came back. Um, so I, I, I hope that with David Tennant coming back for a small period of time, transitioning into this new actor um, for this new doctor, we'll get a lot of that, those really great storylines that made doctor who amazing. Cause it feels like after Matt Smith through the Peter Capaldi years, it kind of started dipping and going downhill and even though Jodie Whittaker is a brilliant actress, I she just kind of got, in my opinion, my opinion, crummy storylines uh, to act out. I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. Yeah, because um, I was just going to break down that too. Where like David Tennant has a lot of great gravitas and scenes, and I enjoy seeing him on screen. Um, yes, he's Smith had good stories, but I wasn't really pulled in by the Doctor. Um, and Peter Capaldi, I think, had really great episodes and structure to what was going on and like you could see a lot of the weight that he brought to the character and Whitaker's stories were just like I I've seen I've gone it took me a while to get into Whitaker because there wasn't I, I don't I don't even know I don't know how to describe it like it was it was just difficult stories for me to get into um and I think it was it lacked some of the the um heavy hitting concepts that some of the the more um, like Matt Smith and David Tennant episodes. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the things that I really wish they would have played with, you know, since we're, we're seeing a female doctor, when she went back in time to those eras where, you know, females were viewed as, you know, a lower class, you know, not, you know, 
there were several times she went to Victorian area and then everyone was listening to her. Like she was a doctor yeah. and it's like, that wouldn't have worked. I mean, you see well, these guys kind of toting these women off, like you, you have no opinion. And here she walks in and it's like, all right, we'll follow you. And it's like, th yeah, that's that one of the things worked. that I think the show intentionally ignored because he brought back women wearing pants and wearing clothing that would seem scandalous in his other eras. And also mm -hmm. he brought people of color uh to these different places and times where that would not have been they would not have been allowed to walk around as freely as they did in the show so i think the show intentionally ignores things like that only to show that uh, i don't want to put any motivations or put words in the producer's mouth well, but it certainly made the stories a little easier to write they they no. were there's certain instances of it they didn't ignore that like there's one instance i yeah. can remember capaldi he, he traveled with a, a black uh, companion for a long time and mm -hmm. he's like talking to her when um they were in this room it's like yeah we have to go with this like we have to approach this conversation with tact and like try and get the information and this like lord or something walks in and immediately starts being a racist and calls mm -hmm. this like what's this filthy animal doing in this room and capaldi's doctor just socks him in the jaw like, yeah. doesn't even talk to him just punches this lord in the face and <laughs> I, I don't think for the longest time they were they they weren't scared of approaching things like that of addressing those concepts of like well you know we've got kind of this like we have to if we're if we're going to look at these historical events let's not skirt away from what these historical events brought to the table with just yes like diverse issues and then we got to Whitaker's doctor and they kind of skirted around it and like didn't like they didn't face it head on when it was the titular character like i remember one episode that they had that really addressed it and it was like the salem witch trials era of yeah of, you know going to that era and it was the doctor during a rich a witch trial and it was that was the only real thing i remember about whitaker's run that kind of talks about those sort of like issues uh, so quick question yeah. I, I mean don't get me wrong i'm all for punching fascists and racists in the face <laughs> yeah but that didn't violate the promise of the doctor. I mean, first do no harm and all that. So he just punches a dude for saying stuff. Well, so that that's Capaldi's doctor. Capaldi's doctor is bitter. He, you know, he, they played on that factor of him that he was a very bitter, tired old man at this point. Cause this mm -hmm. was like his final or I guess new final generation or something like that. Um, but he was very old and bitter and tired. And so they played on that factor where previous doctors wouldn't have done that. One could make but they the definitely argument, would have. One, one could make the argument someone. he was administering a cure. Right. Possibly. <laughs> um, you know, it, it definitely, they definitely didn't skirt uh, things like that, especially in past doctors. They, they've addressed those type of themes, which has been one of the great things where the doctor, who series has been very diverse in its casting and they haven't shied away from a lot of those but you're right with the Whitaker one it kind of seemed like they watered it down yeah I think I, there, I think there were some episodes where they completely ignored uh, race and, and, and gender norms of the era they went into and then so I think that when it is in there it's a conscious choice by the writer to uh, well I guess when it is and when it isn't the writer's making a conscious choice to to make it an issue or not but Wesley, uh, I've got a question for you. Well, I hopefully have an answer. How many time lords does it take to change a light bulb? None. They wait for it to regenerate. Oh, man. 
<laughs> I was gonna say, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> and and Daniel is the only one that hasn't heard this one yet. Um, what does a Dalek egg timer do when it goes off? Extermi- egg exterminates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I and didn't even need to hear it before. <laughs> Krebs, what is the technical term for a doctor meeting another incarnation of himself? Let's see. Uh, a doctor, yoo-hoo! <laughs> Good answer, but uh, no, it's a time travel paradox. Paradox. Oh, that was a good great, one. That was a good one. Scott. That was my literally face palmed. <laughs> now Wesley has been initiated. Can I get my plutonium back so I can go back to 1955? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I was gonna. <laughs> I was going to follow that up, but then I couldn't remember who they like were running from. It wasn't the Russians. Li- Libyans. It was the Libyans. It was the Libyans. <laughs> it was the Libyans. Yeah. All right. So I want to, um, one of the last things I want to get to here is some of the special episodes. Because in New Who, there's, the crossover episodes are just huge, huge events. But this is actually a continuation of the tradition. Um, yes. At the 10th anniversary in 1973, there was a special episode called The Three Doctors. Where they brought, where they had the original, the first three doctors, they brought them all together. And this is something you can do because you have that concept of regeneration. Again, I think that one plot device is just a huge piece of what makes Doctor Who unique. And uh, in my opinion, interesting, more than Krebs's opinion, uh, is is this idea of regeneration in, in different incarnations. So they brought well, the original. I, I was going to say not only that. This is one of the few time traveling movies or series where you can actually interact with your past self and it doesn't cause problems. You know, everything else, it creates some sort of paradox. Butterfly but effect. In, yeah. But in this series, it's okay. We can interact with all it of our incarnation. Of course it is. Of course so it is. Because it's a bad you, show. Because, ta- <laughs> because time travels just wobbly, timey, wimey. Weebly, and, wobbly, timey, wimey stuff. You know, and that's, yes. one of the, that's one of the things in every time travel story ever they always say you cannot interact with your past self or with your past ancestors you might cause yourself not to exist mm-hmm. um oh, and in spot. doctor who they're just like i travel through time all the time if i saw myself i would just say like Krebs said yoo-hoo it's no big deal it's not gonna change the decisions i would have made anyway we uh, he understands that right so they just completely uh ignore that paradox creating thing um but in the three doctors they had william hartnell the original one and uh then the uh oh the other two <laughs> patrick troughton <laughs> and john pertwee um all all came into this but the problem they had is that william hartnell's health was so bad at this mm-hmm. point um that they were really kind of concerned about him participating in this but it was a 10th anniversary and he really wanted to do it so they agreed to have him perform sitting down He was in a chair whenever he was filmed and he would read his lines off of cue cards so that he could still participate in this, which I think was a great treat for the fans. And it wasn't long after that, that he uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, Later on in 1983 for the 20th anniversary, uh, they decided to um, promote a particular movie named Kroll. Uh, no, just kidding. No, I had to do with Kroll. Uh, but in, also in 1983 was a 20th ap- uh, anniversary episode called The Five Doctors. And guess what they did for this one? Uh, they took two of the three doctors, double superimposed them, 
and then you had just the one odd man out. <laughs> well, they, 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 they had five doctors by that point, so they brought all of them back. William Hartnell had died, and so they replaced him with Richard Herndall, um, mm-hmm. who bears a striking resemblance to William Hartnell. Um, and so Richard Herndall, and they didn't have him do a whole lot. So they had him just kind of body double uh, him. Also, our Actually, dear yeah. Tom Baker didn't want to participate in this. Wow. Um, but uh, so instead they used film footage from uh, another Doctor Who series with Tom Baker and just kind of edited in to uh, the storyline. Okay, that was clever. That was pretty clever. Um, also, uh, Sarah Jane, uh, she was a, this was the era where she was a companion. Uh, she was one of the people who'd been brought into this along with some other companions and the Daleks and the Cybermen and the master and a bunch of other bad people. Yeah. And, and I want to give this shout out because of my star Warsiness, but of course there were two films, uh, that starred Peter Cushing as the doctor. Uh, Mm -hmm. Both of these films, if I'm not mistaken, have been riffed by riff tracks, and it's the only way I'll watch them. But Peter Cushing, y'all, Peter Cushing. As the doctor? Yeah. 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 Tell me about this. I I didn't know about this. Yeah. Uh, There was a movie, Doctor Who, and uh, I think there was another one that had like a a flashier title. But Peter Cushing plays the doctor, and these were, I want to say like 1970, 1972, something like that. And those of you who are wondering why we're we're gushing over Peter Cushing, uh, (laughs) he was Grand Moff Tarkin from the original Star Wars A New Hope. And if you didn't know that, I still love you. We can still be friends, but seriously, watch a movie. So the, um, his first appearance was called Doctor Who and the Daleks, and his last appearance was Dalek Invasion Earth 2150. Yeah. The Daleks are another reason why I don't like Doctor Who at all. <laughs> they, they were kind of a cheesy enemy that looks like a, a vacuum. So, and when as, I saw them in Classic Who, I was not impressed. This looked yeah. like very cheap stuff. When I saw them in New Who... I thought they had done a really good job of making them threatening and dangerous. And then I started to believe that they could be a credible threat. So this is how, okay. I, I watched the old classic who Daleks were not a threat because in the old series to stop a Dalek, all you had to do was run upstairs because yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they couldn't go upstairs yeah. or anything. They, you know, in the new who they gave them the ability to, to hover and fly. But before they just rolled. They just couldn't so, because of production it, restrictions, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. Like, know, and, and, and that was the problem. And, and, you know, as someone who's done, like, television and movie stuff, like, I, I totally understand. And actually, ever since I was a little kid, I've always been really fascinated and in love with practical effects. And so I, I love shows that do practical effects. When we were kids, there was Land of the Lost. And um, you had the slee stacks, right? And you had like, it, you had these people that were uh, sort of like lost in time back a, in the age of dinosaurs, yada, yada. Uh, I loved watching all, I would wait for the practical effects to show up. And I, I just loved them as a kid. And the same thing with the only reason I watched Doctor Who as a kid uh, at all whenever it came on TV and I happened to catch Mm. it was because they had aliens and it was sci-fi and they had laser guns and they had robots and stuff, but all of it was, was a colossal letdown for my little tiny, you know, young kid, 1980s brain when I'm watching stuff from the 1960s and seventies. But that, that said, now we're in the new who era. We have all Mm -hmm. of this technology. We have CG. We have all these things. We have, we have the benefit of decades 
of television and movies that have improved the craft. And they get the chance to bring the Daleks back onto the screen. And what do they do but just make the vacuums hover? And I'm like, that, guys, come on. Try a little harder. You get to see the cool blobby substance thing with one eye that they are inside. I, I, you also get to see, you know, like a, a flag of skin that cl- craves to be moisturized. Yes, and then you have yeah. the cyber, you have the cybermen who are constantly threatening Ultraman and Japan. Sandra is a great villain. Yeah, <laughs> Sandra is. Yeah. Talk about the Borg. That's the yeah. Cybermen right there. So just to, to go me. back, uh, Peter Cushing's Peter Cushing's uh, performance of the Doctor is not part of canon. So he is, yeah. even though he should be technically Doctor One and a Half. He is not part of canon. I I can accept that, but I, I couldn't let but, it go unmentioned. So you're right. So I do understand the Daleks is frustrating, but they still wanted to keep enough of classic who in there. So they had to keep the Daleks looking like they did and the Cybermen. And then they've expanded and added other races. Uh, the, you know, wh- one more one more major negative thing I want to throw out there because I do want to get to the parts. I, I, I want to make it clear there are things about Doctor Who that I do like. Um, yes. But as far as the show, it just as like an audience viewer, yes, uh, I cannot stand the Sonic Screwdriver. I can't stand it at oh all. Oh my god! It is a <sighs> it is a nifty <sighs> it's a nifty looking piece of kit. It is absolutely the dumbest mechanic because here's doctor who with two count them two deus ex machinas that he just travels around with because the sonic screwdriver has no real limitations outside of what wood i think that's what it is right like it's Mm -hmm. weak it can't be used it doesn't work on organic material yeah yeah but but like i've seen episodes where like the he's using the sonic screwdriver to like manipulate power grids in a building or the city or like he's like hacking into the into the mainframe using his sonic <laughs> screwdriver which he also uses to undo i understand that the screwdriver aspect of it sure and i understand the sci-fi-ness of it sure but the problem is it has no real limitations and it's a pen right so what, like what you don't like about and, it is it's a soft magic system basically it, yeah it's a soft there's, magic there's system. No it's, it's lazy writing it's lazy writing. Uh, I, and yet I don't you, know that I'd agree with it. That. It's lazy writing. And yet, okay, hold on, hold on. And yet you like the glaive? I absolutely love the glaive because it has limitations and it has a will of its own. It has an, yes, we'll talk about that another time. I also like <laughs> lightsabers because even though lightsabers are incredibly powerful weapons, they still don't always like fix every problem. Right, they don't fix the, the sonic screwdriver. Problem. Doesn't the sonic screwdriver doesn't the, fix the every sonic screwdriver problem. fixes every problem that doesn't involve organic material. It solves <laughs> every problem. Every okay, problem. Okay. I summon the elevator. I I, so I, I, I get. I, I open the door. All right. So, uh, but, but what about the times? Whoa. What about the times when it's broken? What about the times it hasn't worked? There's you mean the times where Spider-Man runs out of web fluid then has to do something else for a while until he gets more web fluid and it just goes back to using webs? That's the sonic screwdriver. It breaks down just long enough for him to fix it, probably with another sonic screwdriver that he borrowed from another doctor. Right? Like, All right. It's, All right. Okay. All right. So Krebs does not like me. the sonic screwdriver. So, no, so like I, th- I think you know your your opinions of lightsabers is is all right, but it's also a good representation of why the Jedi Order needed to go down because they fell into the hubris of their weaponry. I have uh, I have come to to agree more and more with that stance, by the way. So, but but so the the Sconic screwdriver is an example of why I call Doctor Who science fantasy and not science fiction. Like it is, it is a as as I think it was Matthew that pointed out, it's a soft magic system. 
that is this embodies this show of it's just it's the powered by thought and does whatever it needs to do yeah. because it is the pocket MacGuffin. And that's okay. So this is this is the thing. The sonic screwdriver is an extension of the doctor, his own will. It focuses his will into you know, doing what he needs in that mm-hmm. moment because he won't pick up a laser gun. He won't pick up a laser sword. And there have been plenty. He won't pick up a cannon. So he uses his own imagination and will and channels it through the sonic screwdriver to accomplish the things he needs. That's it's not just some random thing that does whatever. It's really the doctor who's doing it. It's just his focus device, much like Harry Dresden's, you know, uh, blasting rod. It focuses his will to do what he needs. And that's what the sonic screwdriver does. All right. So enough about the sonic screwdriver. We've got some strong opinions there. Uh, Good back. Really strong. Um, All right. So we are, uh, we're quickly running out of time. So I want to do one last go around. No, we're not. I got my TARDIS. We'll just go back to the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) We warned you this episode would be larger on the inside. Uh, So we're going to, I want to end with Wes. Uh, but Krebs, let's start with you. Okay. You've, you've already, uh, expressed some of your, uh, thoughts on this. What are some things that are good about who, what are some things that are bad about who, and what is your overall opinion, uh, including your recommendation on whether somebody should uh, watch it or not? Gotcha. Uh, very first thing that came to mind was their selection of actors throughout the last six decades has been phenomenal. Uh, they're, they're really ha- they haven't chosen a lackluster actor for anything i agree with what you guys were saying about like bad adventures or bad stories that's a writing problem but in terms of acting talent it's just replete with that it's the longest running uh singular sci-fi series in history and i do not discount its impact on nerd culture uh, it's uh, every time I go to Fanex or to some sort of like, you know, um, con of any kind, uh, I can instantly recognize the vast majority of Doctor Who references in people's cosplays or crossplays or whatever, right? Like where they, they'll, they'll mission mash them with Star Wars and Firefly and Star Trek. And like, you can fit Doctor Who into almost anything. And actually, when I see that, it does bring me joy. I'm happy to see how people have embodied the the feelings and the references and the pop culture aspect of Doctor Who. It's one of the reasons why I've wanted to become a Whovian is because I actually enjoy the people and the culture of Doctor Who. Um, and the last thing I will say about it is that uh, they treat uh, the, 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 the showrunners do a ton for their fans for like, like the way the show treats the fans is exceptional. And I'm, I very much appreciate how much fan service they, they put into all of their efforts. Even if it's not a show that I enjoy, I love how they treat the people who do enjoy the show. Very good. Uh, for, for me, I, I really like new who and the new who era is to classic who the way that Krebs and I and our family want to treat Kroll. Mm. Classic Who created a world that had the potential for a lot of depth, but that wasn't the trend of the era. In the 2000s, there's this great wanting to know the backstory and wanting to explore other issues and fleshing out the characters, even the enemies, more. 
Um, first time we saw what was inside of a Dalek was New Who. And exploring why he's the Doctor. Even exploring the sonic screwdriver, giving the TARDIS a uh, anthropomorphic representation in one episode. There was so much to explore in this universe that had been established in Classic Who. And I never felt that New Who ever disrespected the classic. Um, and I thought the new stuff definitely um, paid homage and had great deal better effects and a lot better story writing. Some of the things I didn't like about it, I really wanted to get into who and like, like Krebs and the movie. I did not know enough Dr. Who lore to mm. enjoy the 1996 movie. And I think that is a failing of the movie itself, especially since they're basically introducing it to mainstream uh, American audiences. They could have done more to make it, standalone um i watched it later on after i did understand who and i enjoyed it a lot more mm. um with new who i watched christopher eccleston um and again i wanted to become a whovian and christopher eccleston kind of ruined it for me and i think again the problem was i just didn't have enough understanding of who when i came back to when i watched later david Tennant, i absolutely loved him and then i went back and watched the christopher eccleston season and i actually liked him I began to see the personality of the doctor coming out. So I think there were some moments there where I absolutely applaud them. Like Krebs said for the fan service that they give, they really respect and appreciate their fans and give them what they want. I think they could do better on introducing the show and the concepts to new uh, people. Uh, it takes a lot of persistence to, if you're not already established to to understand what's going on but as far as the series goes i absolutely love and adore it i would not recommend the classic series until somebody has fallen in love with new who mm, because mm -hmm. you need to go back and, and appreciate it for what it is this is 1960s and 70s era with appropriate production values you are not going to get the same kind of flashy production values we have with modern entertainment today but you can go back and enjoy this is the foundation of the lore this is the Silmarillion uh, to Lord of the Rings kind mm. of a thing. And you need to understand it was a perfectly acceptable for it to be very campy and cheaply produced sci-fi. That was the intent. They accomplished it. It's, the 2000 New Who series is made for a different audience while expanding upon the stories that were established before. And for that, I think they did really well. Um, I, I began to like Christopher Eccleston. And, and that very much, but I too would recommend starting with the David Tennant era and then going on from there, watching the old stuff and the new stuff as fits one. I would say the very best thing I have ever enjoyed about Doctor Who was the day of the Doctor 50th anniversary special. Mm. And there's a point at the climax where they get all of the doctors throughout time synchronizing their TARDISes and their sonic screwdrivers and doing all the same things at the same time. Uh, to save Gallifrey and they all stand it's, it's one of those superhero pose moments where they're all together and they've brought back footage from the old shows mm -hmm. they've done some computer graphic stuff to bring back people who are dead I I just, man, my heart wanted to beat out of my chest. I was almost in tears. It was so beautiful and a perfect moment from a storytelling perspective there are some stories where you've done so much setup and the payoff is just perfect. That was that moment for me. And I absolutely love that. 
Nice. Da- Daniel, what's your take? So, I mean, first off, you got to realize that movie um, eh, was Americanized. That was Hollywood that was trying to do that, bringing Doctor Who over. So they misfired because they didn't understand it. And I think that's what the, the real uh, you're referring failure to the 1996 the, movie. Yeah. The ni- yeah. yeah, the 96 movie, because that was the real failure of that one. I, I, I'd um, say you're probably right. Uh, you know, you need to start with Eccleston because that builds the new Who era. It helps you learn who Rose is so that you can appreciate her character moving in uh, to David Tennant's. New Who definitely is a, is the place to start if you are starting out because it's going to give you a good foundation. You're going to fall in love with this character where the older stuff, it is campier. It's harder to go through, especially if you start at the very beginning, that black and white stuff. And the production value is tough to walk, to go through. You know, some of my favorite storylines are in there. There's some great writing through the David Tennant era, even into, you know, some of the Matt Smith era. I really enjoyed the writing there and the storylines there. Uh, but where I really feel that the show fails is when those storylines collide. Sometimes they pay off, sometimes they don't. And sometimes they forget storylines that they were building. Yeah, and we see we've seen it in t- TV series all the time where you they, they're ramping up and you feel like th- this is an important part and it never pays off. Now that is one of the things that I do feel like they fail on because they bank on oh we can explain it another series in you know, the next season or in the next se- season or two and sometimes they do but a lot of times it doesn't pay off. But then you get like the day of the doctor where you have all these multiple storylines that crash together and it executes in perfection and it's wonderful, which I'm hoping the 60th anniversary, we see that same beauty that came out of that last one. Um, but you know, there are some, there are some problems with the show. I mean, like any of any series out there, there it's not perfect. There are things that like we spoke about with the weeping angels, they should have done it and left it, but then they kept messing with it. And now they're not that scary anymore. I know some people would disagree with me on that one. Um, you know, Daleks is as great a villain as they are in there. They are kind of a joke. They're pretty much a trash can with, you know, bumps on them and a plunger and a ray gun, <laughs> you know, and in the past you just ran upstairs and you defeated them. But there is, wonderfulness to the doctor who series that doesn't matter which doctor is your favorite doesn't matter what episode you're watching it suspends your disbelief for a brief amount of time it makes you fall in love with the characters whether it's the villains whether it's the companions or the doctor himself you do connect with those characters in the series and when anytime you can do that, you have won yeah. as a as a author, as a storyteller, as a showrunner, you have won the hearts of whoever is viewing or digesting and taking in your material. And I think Doctor Who does succeed at that at some level. Wesley, wrap it up for us. What are what are what are your thoughts and feelings on uh, Doctor Who? Well, this show is literally transformative for me personally, for many people who've gotten into it. Um, it's not, it's not everybody's cup of tea. 
Um, some people are coffee drinkers, and that's fine. Uh, Dr. Pepper, but go on. Uh, whatever caffeinated beverage of choice you have, uh, I think there is something in here for everyone. Um, this this show was the first television, first on-screen material that I remember crying at. Like, just getting involved with these characters, seeing the journeys they go on, what they experience. Like, I felt what they felt. I was drawn in two moments left and right throughout this show um it tugs on the heartstrings makes you think pushes your idea of what's possible and really is a just a a a great experience from start to finish and not everybody gets into that material um you know like not everybody likes star trek not everybody likes star wars no there are people out there that don't like sci-fi which i don't know what they've done with their life but some (laughs) people just like that um but there's uh if i were to suggest a place to start there's a two-part david tennant uh episode that i re- like i think is a good embodiment of the series kind of gives some some threads to what's to come and that's silence in the library and forest of the dead Ooh, um it's silence in, in the library yep uh oh, it has a really one. unique one-off villain um it introduces introduces the character of the doctor really well introduces a character that pops up in later series as the first time of like a wibbly wobbly timey introduction um oh, so i think you, it's a, are you referring to river song yeah it's the first yep. appearance of river song um I, I love river song's story as a whole yep so they even introduce it in the episode so they don't hide this so it's not much of a spoiler but it's the first time the doctor meets river song and it's one of the last times river song meets the doctor Yes. Um, so it is they meet and it, it kind of builds this storyline of like and and it, it's i think it's a, a great two-part episode if you're if you give that a shot i mean you don't like it then okay but if you if you want a good place that'll get you hooked where you know you try and watch the first season of anything or some of the older series seasons of something it's like they got they haven't quite gotten their footing right so starting with eccleson like really as as eccleson series ages i find it to be uh a, carry a lot more weight so as they introduce more mythos it becomes a lot stronger because you get to understand what eccleson was playing at with that character um but there's plenty of quotes there's there's plenty of things that kind of pull me in and like doctor speeches that he gives and that they give and um i want to leave you with two two really ones that resonate with me really well where i think it's transformative to me it's um and this is jody whitaker's doctor and her first episode we're capable of the most incredible change we can evolve while still staying true to who we are. We can honor who we've been and choose who we want to be next. Now you choose. This is some of Matt Smith's last lines that I want to do. Times change and so must I. We all change when you think about it. We're all different people all through our lives and that's okay. That's good. You've got to keep moving so long as you remember all the people that you used to be. So there's a lot of moments that really resonated really deeply with me and continue to bring tears to my eyes just as I feel what they're feeling. And I enjoy this show for what it is because it's a fun romp through time and space and shows you what it means to be a healer and help those in need. You're right. The last moments, especially of Matt Smith and David Tennant, were so tugging at my heartstrings. Oh, I just, even you bringing that back, I'm still feeling some of that stuff now. Uh, it was, that's great acting paired with great writing. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's about it. Daniel? All right, folks. We've had an adventure. We've gone across time, space, Krebs throwing some trash at our favorite show, and, you know, some really bad jokes. <laughs> really, really bad. So bad that both TARDISes that have been uh, in this video have crashed. In fact, one actually did. Um, a light bulb went out, and he had to turn his screen off. Um, <laughs> like Doctor Who, or you don't. This is definitely a very fun series to watch. It's very interesting. It has some great dramatic moments. It's got some really fun, silly moments. It may have a sonic screwdriver that Krebs just doesn't understand, and that's okay. We still love him. But give it a try. If you don't like it, you're not going to hurt our feelings because all three of them still love Star Trek, and I talk to them. But anyways. <laughs> and if you love it, that's wonderful too. Yes. That is exactly the point of the show and the things we've said throughout the years. If you love it, that's great. If you don't, that's okay. You get to love what you love. And this, for some of us, at least three out of four of us, this is a show that we do enjoy and love. Now, it's your, it's your decision. Do you jump on the TARDIS and go on the journey with the Doctor, or do you choose something else? With that said, I'll catch you next time. And my little nerdlings... Remember, let your geek flag fly, so say we all. And whether you agree with me or the lovely fans who asked us to talk about this subject, thank you so very much for the episode suggestion. We love you and appreciate you. <gasps> Always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you. Always.